is Andy Bells, Peter Baker, Steve Dunning and Ben Harshaw here to preview the England versus Italy Euro 2020 final on Sunday and also have a look back on the semi-finals and the fantasy football and the predictions and everything that came before. And we'll also give our teams of the tournament at the end of the podcast, so stick around for that. Um, and yeah, so let's get stuck straight in. I mean, we're on the Facebook Live, not many people really come into this at the time, um, so... But we'll still give a few people some time to come in. So it's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's good five minutes before you're cancelable, officially cancelable. So Dave, um, <laughs> Pete, and Ben did a um, a bit of chat at the end of the last podcast about the Northern, some of the Northern Irish players who have uh, who have made their moves uh, so far in this transfer window. There's another couple I think have happened since. Certainly, uh, Trevor Carson joined Dundee United today, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, I think I guess the most interesting one is uh, Kyle Lafferty going thirty miles of. Ayanapa, I think, is the best way of describing that one, uh, and probably the biggest factor in all of this. So, uh, well, I mean, what do you think? I, mean, I was a bit disappointed with it in the sense that he's had a good season at Kilmarnock. If he continued that scoring form, you know, it's the first time he was, he was really match fit in a few years, and you know, potentially could have even got a start up against Lithuania where you're penning them in. But playing in the Cypriot league now, it's uh, it all sounds a bit Kyle Lafferty, doesn't it? Who's that to you? I oh, definitely right. said your name. Right. You, I thought you had, but then I forgot. Um, it, it, it's, of course it is. It's just as, it's just as, as random, as random European tour, isn't it? Oh, we're having to be. I'll try Cyprus for a bit of crack. I've heard the nightlife's good over there. I reckon his agent must be on commission to get him within like, I don't know, 50 miles of a, of a holiday resort before he's playing football. So yeah, I don't like I don't know where where is the Cypriot league in relation to what Scottish first division? Um, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know what the level of quality is like. Didn't like, uh, Upwell Nicosia make the the semi finals of the Champions League of ten years ago? They met in some mad run, but I think, that, I think that's very much the exception to the rule. The, yeah, and Hapoel Tel Aviv. No, that's not them. That's no, that's, that's, that's definitely Israel, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Can we do a no. geography question, mate? <laughs> a Kyle Lafferty, a Kyle Lafferty geography quiz. Um, Tell you what, yeah, they'll no. stiff competition from the Wellington Phoenix, won't they do? Oh my god! You know um, what I reckon is going on with Lafferty? I reckon. And his missus has bought him one of those scratch-off maps, and he's trying to get through as many many places as he possibly can. <laughs> it could be. I I, I just don't know. It, but it is. It, Love the idea. Like, Colmar. I came around to Colmarnock. I'll have to do that one. Out <laughs> <laughs> of there as quick as I can. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose, like on a serious note, the only thing you can hope is he continues to play regular football because it seems to be a lot of these moves, these random teams he goes and just doesn't really ever play. No. I, I just wonder, is he like, does he just like going and living in nice warm countries? And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No. It just doesn't do, doesn't do us a while, not a good whenever we'll get him on the pitch. So, so yeah, it is the, it is the quintessential Kyle Lafferty transfer. So if nothing else, it's consistent. And uh, yeah, we'll probably hear bits and pieces and there'll be some random story um, three months in where the manager comes out like what is the crack with this absolute <laughs> lunatic <laughs> that will be fun for everybody so yeah I, I, I don't really know what else to tell you 
All right. Uh, ben, Paul Smith went to Leighton Orient. You failed to cover that in the last show. No, I'm only messing. Um, it's a, uh, it's quite a, it's quite a, um, it's quite a, it's, it's quite a disappointing one, I think, in the sense that, you know, he was getting a few games of QPR last season before he was sent out on loan. Okay, he's been on a few, um, you know, road trips to a few different League One clubs over the last few years. He seems to get binned off from them after six months. So there's something there in the sense that he can't kind of tie down a, a League One loan move, but I didn't think he dropped down to League Two. Um, that said, you know, you've got Shane Lavery, who's gone to the Irish League, revitalised himself, took himself a season to kind of get back into the into proper form. He obviously exploded against Carabag in the Europa League and then had quite a difficult season and then exploded, got back, back across the water. Could be a case of that dropping down to that level. Um, were, you, were you disappointed to see? I mean, he played fairly well when he came on against Ukraine. Um, potentially could have put himself into Ian Barclough's thoughts, but it's difficult when you're in League Two. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe from his point of view, it's just again, it's about getting games. You know, if he goes down there, he gets games. He's, he's, there's talent there. There's no, no doubt there's talent there. Um, and he made an impact at UCAR, and then it just, I don't know what happened, but it just seemed to sort of fall apart. Um, so I'm just hoping again, if like, like, like Lavery, like you just said, he, he gets games, um, you know, then maybe we'll find himself moving up again. Yeah, indeed. Pete, any thoughts on on the on the Smith move? I mean, he was somebody who we were all quite excited about when he came on in that friendly three years ago and did the did the three backflip celebration, scored a lovely goal. And then we didn't really see him since. I mean, I always say in this podcast, he's probably got the best minutes to the goals yeah. international records since maybe David Nugent or <laughs> somebody else. Like I remember there's a few of those players, but yeah, yeah it's just Jeffers. Yes, that's the that's the old person's one. Yeah, that's the that's uh, yeah that's that's our David Nugent. Um, but Pete, yeah, it's um, it's hard to see him kind of making an impact on the international stage anytime soon. Um, but maybe it's what he needs for his career long term. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully he goes and finds some form in League Two. But from an Northern Ireland point of view, it's hard to get excited when you're bringing in players from League Two and hoping they're going to make an impact. You know, League Two to international football just doesn't quite way up especially we're going into playing Switzerland then you know we need more than League 2 players um, but hopefully it sparks a rise uh, a progression of the league again and maybe it maybe find some form yeah definitely uh, okay so I think you guys more or less covered all the other relevant transfers anyway on the last show so uh, we'll get stuck straight into our Euros podcast um, so we'll have a chat about the semi-finals first of all uh, Spain Italy one all, uh, it'd be one four two on penalties. Uh, Dave, I think the last time we had you on was after the group stages where Italy were just completely tearing teams apart. They were making wee boys of decent nations like uh, Turkey, Switzerland, and even when they played Wales and the performance tailed off a little bit, they they still looked they still looked ruthless, they still looked choreographed, and they still looked like the team that were going to win it. Um, the knockout rounds have been, I guess, a little bit different. They struggled a bit against Austria. Um, and I think Spain maybe were the better team the other night, um, from my perspective anyway. Um, but is it one of these where, despite the performances maybe tailing off a little bit, it's it's a case of they're actually, it makes them more likely to win the Euros because they can dig in, they can do the other side of the game. They can do what the Italians have always done traditionally, as well as kind of having these these fantastic players in attack. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think you go, what, 33 games unbeaten now without having the win whenever you're not playing brilliantly. Um, that you, you can't play brilliantly for 30-odd matches in a row. We've seen them at their best. Potentially, we've seen them at their worst as well, and they're they're in the final. Um, and yeah, you know, Spain, Spain were Spain the other night. Um, they made good chances and didn't take them, and they looked susceptible, certainly on the break. 
and they had 70 odd percent possession of the ball, which they've had against every team in the tournament. Um, I think that's their average over the tournament, 72% or something. And with, you know, with that midfield, um, and I think it's a funny one. It's almost like Enrique got it right and he got it wrong at the same time without playing, without starting Murata. Um, he plays. I thought he was phenomenal when he came on. Absolutely, Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Um, does all that good Murata stuff, which is, you know, drops deep, picks the ball up, but starts making those runs in behind and gets beyond the ball. All the stuff that wasn't happening in the first half um, or for the first, what, 60, 70 minutes. But that allowed them to really, really dominate the midfield and Italy couldn't break through their press and Italy couldn't really get a hold of the ball in the middle of the park for any length of time. Um, and as the game got a little bit more stretched, Italy got a few more clear-cut chances and um, they get the goal. And then, as I say, Murata comes on <laughs> looks phenomenal. And then you put him in front of goal and he has to think about it for the penalty. And, you know, there we are. So, yeah, I think Spain, that's the best Spain have played by a long, long way in this tournament. Um, and they still weren't quite able to get the job done. I think, by and large, Italy have probably been the best team. Um, and they're, they're two very contrasting styles. Um, so, yeah, they, they dug in. I think the highlight for me was, was, was Chiellini and, and Jordi Halba before the shootout. And yeah. I was like, look at this guy. See, when there were, see, see, obviously, I, um, I was telling you guys in the pre-pod, like I was there at the game. And you know the way he sort of like, he, he gives him like a wee punch and then points to the Italian end. There was a massive cheer went up from the Italian end thinking he'd won the toss. And then <laughs> the referee flipped the coin. Everyone's like, what's going on here? But yeah, that, that, that was mad. I mean, <laughs> do, you think it's, do you think that's what won it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure, like, if that's, like, say Jordan Henderson, for example, <laughs> he's going in there, steely-eyed, you know, complete focus, and Chiellini just standers up like he's trying to blag his way in the nightclub. Yeah. It was absolutely mental. Um, that's a man that knew he was 11th taker. <laughs> and Well, it, I think it's that attitude of, you know, there's Murata, like, like a coiled spring and stress to the absolute max, and doesn't get it together. And apart from Locatelli, the other guys just walk up and just stroke them into the net. And I think, you know, if you can remove stress from a situation like that that's highly pressured, then you're probably going to get the best out of best out of yourself. And, and that seems to be what happens. So I think he's probably a really positive um, influence over that whole group. And they really, really look together. And I don't, certainly from my perspective, I don't think there was much doubt that Italy weren't going to win that shootout. And, and so they prevailed. But... You know, I think they've grown within this tournament. We've seen them win a number of different ways now. And, you know, England will find it tough in the final. They will find it tough in the final, Pete. It's, um, it, for me, I, I completely agree with Dave. It was, it's by far the best we've seen of Spain in this tournament. They obviously control possession like they always did, but they actually had, they actually carried a threat. I thought Olmo, there was a bit of debate as to, I heard in the train home as to whether Olmo played well. I thought he was really good. Uh, I thought Ayatha Bal um, kind of dropping back into midfield and um, creating a numerical advantage there, as Dave says, Italy weren't really, really able to press through it, um, weren't able to play through it either. And it was quite reminiscent of the kind of 4-6-0 Fabregas in the number nine that we saw 
obviously the the Del Bosque Spain sides dominate the the international tournaments for what was it six years? Yeah, they won three in a row. So it was it was an interesting game from that perspective. But the one thing that I came away from it thinking was that yes, Italy didn't play well, but I don't think they were lucky to go through in the sense that I don't think that Spain created like many absolute clear cut chances bar the Murata one. You know, there's an all one in the first half, which Donnarumma makes a, a, a good save. And there were a couple of close close shaves, but they weren't like cut open. And that's what kind of be, uh, Benucci and Chiellini are all about. I actually thought the, the right back, Di Lorenzo, who was then uh, moved over to left back, actually had a really good game. Uh, Emerson Palmieri stank the place out more than the three Italian fellas in front of me, who I think smoked three or four pretty fat joints in the broad light of day. Um, he was dreadful, and but 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 apart from that, they they seem to uh, they seem to hold it together fairly well, and they limited real clear cut chances from Spain, and I think that's the key sometimes to getting through a game when you're not playing well, not by just literally riding your luck and the other team missing chances. Uh, yeah, I mean Italy weren't lucky to go through. You know they did well in the end; they dug in when they had to. But if I'm a Spanish fan, I mean surely the What's his name? I can't pronounce it. Begins with O. Oh, you're Arthur I had a go yeah, and I regretted it right away. <laughs> I thought he should have scored that. You know, if his first touch is decent, what he probably does in training all the time, you know, it's a one on one chance, 10 yards out. You think the header's worse? I, I, I don't or, Well, the header that he doesn't actually head, is that yeah, worse than the one he doesn't That's the only one I'm thinking of. Which, yeah. one, I, which one are you talking about? So it was play, was it play through by Pedri in the first half? It was a great pass. And yeah, he was your great. man takes his first touch and it goes behind him and he sort of stumbles and can't really get a right. shot off. But if he controls it properly, he's got the keeper to beat yeah. 10 yards out and puts it either side. So, I, I mean, watching the game, I was impressed with Spain. I didn't think, I didn't know how they'd cope with Italy, with Italy's press and how they've just um, dismantled teams. But Spain looked pretty confident, typically Spanish, comfortable on the ball. Um, I just lacked that. If they had a proper finisher up top, it could have been a different story. Um, yeah. But on the whole, I think Italy deserved to be in the final. No complaints about it. But if you're a Spanish fan, I think you can look back and be pretty disappointed with things that didn't quite go your way in the finishing. Definitely. And Ben, like, I think the, the Aratha Ball fella, I, he must have played every single position I've ever seen because every time I watch him play, he's playing somewhere different. I think the first game I watched him, he was at right back. Um, that's where he kind of came through at Real Madrid. Now he seems to be a right winger is where he mainly plays, and it was obviously up front the other night. Um, so it was interesting kind of from a, from a tactical point of view what they did. But where do you stand on it? Do you think Italy were lucky to get through? Do you think it was one of those where um, it's your classic Italian performance, dig in? Um, and do, are you worried at all as a, as a, a fellow anti-Englander? Are you worried at all that they've maybe you know, they're they're not peaking at the right time like like England seem to be. No, um I'm not I'm not worried at all. I mean I think I think yes they could have gone out. I mean when it goes to a shootout anything can happen. But as I think it was Dave there said, for some reason when I went to shootout, I had no doubt that they were going to do it. You just you just trust them. Um and no no I think I think yes the, the script through but you have to do that. You're not going to play as we talked about before, what Portugal won the last tournament by barely winning the game in 90 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to play at the top, especially after the season people have had. You know what I mean? Been can I, I cut in just a second? Because I've got a, I've got a thing that I, I remember during the game and I'm definitely going to forget it. I'll come back to you. Um, but I don't know if this came through on the TV. Um, but 
at the sec at the end of the first half of extra time, Chiesa seems to do his hamstring right, and he clearly can't play on. He's down for about two minutes. The only reason he gets any medical attention is because the referee blows up for half time. They keep him on the pitch for two minutes after the the first half of extra time, purely so they can actually make another substitution two minutes in when the ball went out. And honestly, that boy was walking around in a five-meter radius for about two minutes, genuinely, which I just thought was was so quintessentially Italian. But it's, it's uh, I don't know, maybe that's proof of, you know, Mancini has the the humility and kind of, you know, maybe um, other managers would have said, no, this is my team. I'm the best manager in the world. We're going to go for this. But he actually knew, right, we're getting a bit battered here. I do need to make this substitution and waste a bit more time and take the momentum out of it. And ultimately, who cares if you're the team that goes on to win the Euros? I mean, that's a good, that's a good manager. You know, he's covering, he's covering all angles and he's, he's, he's looking at the game tactically. He's not, you know, living in the moment. He's seeing the bigger picture. Um, you know, so, and as you said, it's the most Italian thing ever to be thinking that tactically. Um, but, you know, essentially, job done. Um, I thought Danny Olmo was had a very, very good game. Um, I was it's a shame for him. His penalty was, uh, I think it's still gone up as far as I know. I got my head on um, it. I did, yeah, yeah. Is that where your hair went? <laughs> um, but anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I know it's easy for me to say that. But yeah, no, yeah, I, you better I, hope I, nobody's I, watching not... that in the video. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but but in all seriousness, like, no, I, I just I don't think they've peaked. I think, yes, they had a, they had a sloppy game. Um, but at the end of the day, they did enough to win, and, and they've been by far, far, far the best team the whole way from the from the first from the first game right through the tournament. You know, again, you know, they didn't have they didn't play particularly well um, against Austria either, but they, they got the job done. You know, and that, that's a sign of a perfect team. You know, get the job done when you're not playing well, and also be able to blitz teams when you are playing well. Yeah, Dave, the the other two did a podcast after the um after the quarterfinals, but I haven't had you on to talk about this. And I feel like we've, we've talked quite negatively about Italy in a sense, with it, kind of a negative tone about Italy um in the knockout round so far. But what nobody's really mentioned and that I haven't asked anyone about is that performance against Belgium, where a lot of teams were back in Belgium, especially after the performance they put in against Portugal, where they showed the other side of the game and they showed the the side of the game that you would never kind of expect from a Roberto Martinez side. Um, so a lot of people were kind of backing them, especially after at least performance in the last round. But that performance was the Italy we've we've known right from the start of the tournament. That was, you know, Barella looking like the 80, 90 million player you were talking about in the in the in the preview podcast. It was it was ruthless. It was um, it was pragmatic at times towards the end. But ultimately, Italy were by far the better team against what is like like say what you like about them, and there's plenty to criticize them about. But Belgium are one of the best teams in Europe and in the world. Well, they're the number one ranked team in the world, supposedly, aren't they? Now, you can give as much credence to those rankings as, as you want. I don't give a lot, but they've got star quality there. Um, I'll not go into my my De Bruyne not showing up in the big game rant, but, you know, I think there's players that stepped up to the mark in that game, and Burrell is one, Insigne was another. Mm-hmm. Um, I think certainly... I think Di Lorenzo has another great game there as well. Um, and, you know, I think the the one negative from that is Spinazzola. Um, is Spinazzola coming off? Uh, it was that game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. And I think that first, certainly that first half performance from Italy is probably the most dominant first half, the most dominant half of football I've seen in the tournament given the opposition that they were playing. 
They absolutely dominated um, Belgium. They chewed them up, ate them up, spat them out. Um, and bar a kind of softish penalty decision um, that Lukaku sticks away right before half time. They're they're dead and buried. Softish. Well, we've seen softer, and we'll come to that. We'll come to that. (laughs) You know, you know. But bar that softish penalty penalty decision, they're they're dead and buried. They completely nullified. They nullified all of all of the attacking threats. And yeah, they're maybe a little bit lucky towards the end with with the one. Is it Dilarenzo? I think that Lukaku it kind of hits him, and it hits Dilarenzo on the line and comes out. But yeah, yeah. I th- I, it might have been. I thought it was De Lorenzo. It's, anyway, Lukaku was my anyway, captain. I was curious. Re- yeah, regardless, um, they and and what you have is is probably the best ten minutes of game management I've ever seen in in the last ten minutes, where they just don't let any football get played. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. Um, and which again was was frowned upon and derided, and you know. Um, absolutely frowned upon is not even a strong enough term for it yeah. but English journalists went to town on that mm. behaviour anti-football yeah, good, good, to hear they, good to hear they were then consistent uh, well of course and again behavior. we'll come to that too with the, the standard hypocrisy but um, yeah just an all round unbelievable performance and you know Spain were a different proposition but two very, very different performances. And I think what you saw was there's different players stepping up in each game. Um, and I don't think that's something that a lot of teams have been able to have been able to do. I think a lot of teams have had two, three players that they've really lent on to go and win the game for them. Whereas this Italian side, you know, there's Berardi. Berardi. Berardi's a great example. He starts he starts a tournament like probably the best player in the world. And all of a sudden now it's it's Chiesa who's the star and Berardi's coming off the bench um, trying to make an impact. And I think I said this at I think I said this at, at the, the preview of the tournament where they don't need a they don't need a player to go and score five, six goals to win this tournament. They could they could have four, five, six players scoring one or two goals each to get them all the way there. And I think the top goal scorer has two goals. Is that right? There's four, four, three yeah. or four of them have two goals each now, so. um, and I don't expect I don't expect anything to change. So you know, if they do go on and get the job done, we'll see we'll see who the hero is. Then it could be anybody. Yeah, and uh, it's it's one of those where uh, again, like you say, in in 2006, what the you're the one the, the stat you love is the uh, they they won the World Cup with Matarazzi as their top scorer with two. And it could be one of those because everyone's kind of talking about the fact they don't have that world-class quality in attack, really. There's Immobile who, you know, I, I want to leave this chat on, uh, to the preview of the final um, of the England League game where I want to maybe have a little bit of a chat about Immobile versus Bellotti, who I think has looked very good when he came on, not least on, on Tuesday night there against Spain. Um, but yeah, there, there's a stack on about that him, Insigne and Berardi uh, have only got two knockout goals in the Champions League between them. And they were both from Insigne and one was a penalty. So, you know, you are talking about players who not, aren't necessarily world-class, but as you say, you know, it's it's uh, there are ways around that and there have been ways around that in the past. But we'll, we'll move on to talk about England-Denmark. So obviously we're going to do a little bit more Italy chat 
in the context of the final. Uh, and Pete, I'll come to you first. Um, to be honest, seeing the agenda here, I've just written down Spain, Italy, England, Denmark, England, Italy. So I have no idea, like, kind of where to start with this one. It's first half hour. Denmark are, are very good. They come out of the blocks. There's clearly um, an intention to to kind of come out and uh, and make that first half hour count and catch England by surprise. And it's the first time England haven't really had it all their own way in the tournament. And uh, you know, Damsgaard gets the goal. It's probably what Denmark deserve. And and England were rattled um, at that point. Yeah, and uh, Damsgaard scores. The bar I was in falls silent, <laughs> and I'm chuckling to myself. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought England started okay. First five or ten minutes, Sterling looked quite sharp. Denmark, I think, just weathered the storm and then settled in, and they looked pretty, pretty impressive. And it was great free kick from Damsgaard, although question, questionable from Pickford. I thought, don't know what you thought. I, it wasn't really in the corner. No. More uh, dinosaur arms. Yeah, T Rex arms, definitely. Yeah, the T Rex arms. And. Uh, yeah, it was probably the first bit of adversity England had to face all tournament, like you touched on. And they responded pretty well. You know, credit where credit's due. They got behind Denmark a few times for the first time in the match and probably got their just reward uh, with the goal. Um, and as the game went on, I think it was quite telling when they took off Dolberg, what Denmark's intentions were as England grew into the game and just seemed to dominate for the rest of it. Albeit, didn't do enough probably to get the winning goal, but definitely looked like the dominant team. Um, and they, when they played out the game in the last like five minutes, it was quite impressive in fairness to them. What, 53 passes or something? Denmark didn't touch yeah. the ball. Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was brilliant. I'm just envious that it's not us on a major tournament. I know, like I that. know. That pains me. And it's, see, when you hear Sweet Caroline, <laughs> it's like a dagger. I know. In the heart. It's like I was singing this 16 years ago when we beat you at Windsor Park. You've nabbed it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. yeah. There's been a lot of fume over that. Um, ben, it's we'll come on to talk about. I mean, I guess kind of the English media and the hypocrisy that that Dave and Pete have uh, have alluded to is probably best in the, in the chat before the final because there is a lot to talk about from this game. And, you know, to be fair, um, you know, we all did mock, pillory, bully Gareth Southgate on the preview podcast to these Euros, um, myself included, and probably myself most so. However, I can't argue with a lot of what he's done. Rice and Phillips aren't given anyone a minute in midfield. Teams are playing, find it extremely difficult to play against them. And consistently, they're creating a hell of a lot of chances. A lot of people wondered why Sterling was in the lineup. Again, I was thinking, this is dead obvious. Sterling hasn't had a good season. Sterling hasn't had a good season and a half, two seasons, really. Um, you've got Sancho there, who's all you know, all these stats about most school contributions, this, that, and the other. But you can't argue with with what with what Sterling's done in this tournament. He has looked like the player that that Man City not necessarily signed, but certainly got for a couple of years after that. He looked like a player who, you know, was one of the best players in the Premier League and his intelligence and timing of those runs in behind is is almost unplayable at times, I think. I think it's genuinely, um, you know, you can talk about so many players, especially in this tournament, who have pace and don't know how to use it. 
you know, Adama Traore, people are wondering why he hasn't got a minute. Some Maximan's another. Even the fella Doku could do with a bit of um, nice coming into his game as well. And I'm somebody who loves him. I think he's a fantastic player. But Sterling, he marries that pace with the the intelligence of when to make the one runs, where to make the runs. And he has this kind of... He has this cohesion and choreography with his teammates that they know exactly when to find him. And... Michael Cox did a good piece on this in The Athletic today. I don't know if any of you guys read it, where he, he kind of talked about how England targeted the, the Danish left-back. Now, if Emerson Palmer is playing there on Sunday, I would worry up against him. Yeah, I know, definitely. Um, level three, your first point was on Southgate, and I was the same. Uh, I thought he was there because they just didn't know who else to put in there. I thought he'd sort of stumbled into the job. He'd done, he got oh, he lucky. did? You can't argue. yeah. But I thought, you know, I thought he still at that point now was like, what I wanted to do in here, you know. Um, but you can't argue with you can't argue with his results. You can't argue with what he what he's getting them to do. Um, however, the one thing that I would say is it's all gone. It's all gone to plan for him. But mm. one thing I was thinking last night was whenever it was what ninety minutes, and England still had basically, I think they only made one sub, and I was thinking to myself, you know, it's all well and good to. You know, to say, right, oh, look, Gareth Southgate's planning and he's, he knows once we get into extra time, we'll make these subs and bring on the Fodens and stuff, which he did. But, like, if Denmark had a put, you know, a late, late winner in just before extra time and you've a player like Phil Foden sitting on the bench, not even getting on the on the pitch, I tell you what, it all would have, it all would have come down on him pretty hard, you know. It shows you what, what fine lines there is. Um, on, on Sterling... You know, Sterling, Sterling surprised me because he's, he's had a really poor, as you say, year and a half. Uh, but he's really showed in this tournament, not only is he a good footballer, but he's, he's a good athlete. I mean, I, I'm not going to go and put a bet on him to win the gold medal in the diving at the Olympics. Um, so, <laughs> you know, but but in all seriousness, like he really he really has looked like, as you say, an intelligent footballer. It's not just about having the pace. It's, it's about making the right runs, getting in behind, bringing others into play, you know, occupying defenders. He, he really, he's been brilliant. I mean, he's been up there for, he's been up there as one of the best players in the tournament. Um, you know, and, and Southgate, Southgate rightly kept faith in him. You know, when it would, you know, you could have easily said, you know, he, he could have, with the attacking players England had and the season he's had, he could have maybe not even been in the squad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not against the you know the realms of possibility that I think it would have been a mistake not to have him in the squad. But you know, it could have, it could have happened. Um, but he kept faith with him. You know, he's, he he and and he's repaid him. He scored goals throughout the tournament. So yeah. Yeah, Davey, he has been fantastic, but uh, we are going to have to obviously talk about the penalty. Um, and the, the I'm sure you've a lot to say on the the kind of double standards of the uh, of the media and the commentators around it. Um, I'm completely fine with diving in football. I'll put it out there. A lot of people don't like it. I'm fine with it. And it's part of the game. I think it's not your job to do the referee's job for him. Uh, for officials and a VAR can't spot it, then you know you, you know what's this whole thing. Uh, even about but the, the double standards of it especially as you say I mean you talked about the um, you know the the Italians kind of their overall um, pragmatism and uh, time and game management um, being pilloried in the English media but especially like the, the kind of um, stuff about Immobile and a lot of people were kind of mocking it and laughing at it and, and that was fair enough because it was funny but there were a lot of people really taking the moral high ground over it as well and People may not like me saying this. We do try and avoid kind of politics and stuff on here and people shout woke brigade, whatever it is. But there's absolutely no doubt that um, foreigners in the English media are disproportionately pilloried 
and and bullied for this part of the game, which English players do just as much. And if people don't like hearing that, I'm sorry, but they absolutely do. And it was shown last night. Yeah, and let's not forget, Raheem Sterling has had his fair share of criticism, and I'm mm-hmm. putting that mildly mm-hmm. from the from the English media over the years. Um, so now that he's everyone's hero, you know, it is all the hypocrisy that you need to talk about when it comes to the English press. But yeah, the, the mental gymnastics that are <laughs> going about to kind of justify what happened is absolutely hilarious. And let's not forget that. That wasn't the only attempt to win a penalty in that game either. Kane does it. Mm-hmm. And no one's even talking about that. And I think, you know, we can go into the VAR conversation around this, but I'm beginning to think if we're going to use... I don't like the idea of retrospectively refereeing a game with VAR, but I think a penalty is such a big game-changing decision that I think that goes beyond the realms of clear and obvious. I think if the ref's got it wrong or if the ref's been duped, as he was, then maybe if it's a penalty decision, that's where the that's where the VAR has to step in and go, actually, it's not your fault you got that wrong. It's a really good dive, but it's a dive nonetheless. So it's not a penalty and actually go ahead and book him. That's how I feel on the matter. Um, I heard a Guardian journalist after the Italy-Belgium game say on a podcast that he had to go and speak to his son and tell him how terrible and awful this was, that this shouldn't be a part of the game. And he was absolutely appalled and disgusted by it. And how I, it took I can all go of, up. I can all go of the enjoyment out of it. Go, please go tell me. Do you not remember when uh, Salah took a dive and sometime in March and somebody wrote a piece, it was a disgrace to Prince Philip? Oh, Prince Philip's, oh, Prince Philip's in the, he's in, in the stadium. Or not Prince Philip. Oh, well, poor Prince Philip. <laughs> I hope not. His grandson's in the stadium. Is yeah. it a disgrace to him as well? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. So, look. Uh, yes, you're right. If an Englishman does it, it's it's clever. Mm-hmm. And it's it's he's won that. Um, he's earned that foul or that free kick. If If a foreigner, one of those pesky foreigners does it, then it's it's not even diving, it's downright cheating, and it should be stamped out of the game. And that's the attitude. And, you know, I don't mind it one way or another. I don't really care one way or another, but call a spade a spade and have the balls to call a spade a spade um, rather than just, you know, basically selling out. So very disappointing overall. Um very disappointing for the Danes that that's the way they lost the game. I think that showed at that stage of the match the desperation that England were in because for all of their possession, I think the only way that they were going to get the goal was if something kind of broke broke their way in the box because aside from... Schmeichel makes a couple of good saves from set pieces. Sterling, right before the goal, hits one right at Schmeichel, which is kind of similar to the own goal that scored. But aside from that, they don't really create what you would classify as a clear-cut chance. Um, So, you know, against Chiellini and Benucci, let's find out what they can do. Indeed. Indeed. Sorry, go on, Ben. Sorry. I was just going to say, like you say, you don't want the game to be retrospectively 
refereed by VAR. But what's VAR there for there? You know, I hate VAR, don't get me wrong. But where you say, where you say like, you know, uh, it has to be, not you, but where, where they say it has to be clear and, ar- uh, clear and obvious, an error is an error. You know, and an error on that level, costing that, to see, I mean, I know I keep going back, but I keep going back to Northern Ireland losing to that error against Switzerland. You know, it just, it's costing too much. You know, the, the energy, the, the money that fans have spent, Danish fans going the games like that, and that's how they're put out. And, and England, you know, you're absolutely 100% right about Kane. And then I hate, I hate all you hear about Grealish is oh, the most fat, foul player in the Premier League. Yeah. That's because he'd be blown over by flipping, do you know what I mean? By I don't know what, but like it's, it's a, a fart is a usually joke. the analogy for that one, Ben. Uh, well, I was I was trying to be polite, you know, I'm always yeah. very, very polite. I think the thing, I think all the, I think that all all that tells us is if you dive enough in a box, you're gonna get one eventually. I think I think that's all that that situation tells us. And you know, the English media are the worst in in talking about how it is a plague on our sport. Yeah, you know, we all know Kane's one of the worst. We all know Sterling's not not a while lot better. Um, and and we know that they get more than their fair share of. And you know, you can throw Jamie Vardy in there too. How he wins. Jamie Vardy literally had a penalty winning diving technique. <laughs> It was a it was it was a technique that was all of his own. Um, yeah, Kane has one named after him Kane, as well. Where yeah, Kane has one over, too, doesn't he? Yeah, totally. You know, um, and Kane had that one where he, where he kind of you know he backed into the defender when yeah. where they were in the air, and that was downright dangerous. And all of a sudden, he stopped doing it. And I kind of get the feeling that the referees association, the PGMOL, or whatever they're called, has probably had a word in his ear rather than actually refereeing the game. And those are the sorts of things that those are the sorts of things that really get under my skin. But yeah, I get what you're saying, Ben. I think we do retrospectively referee the game with VAR in the Premier League, and that's what I don't like about it. Um, no penalty decision, I think, has been overturned. No penalty that's been given has been overturned in the tournament. Isn't that correct? Even, so, even the even the, the like me and Pete were talking in the last part about the wheels sending off, which is so not a red card. But you just will not make a referee look stupid, you know. Will not will not say they're wrong, and it's so just don't don't have VAR then, because effectively VAR to me is ruining football, and it's now ruining football and being there, but yet still not doing what it's supposed to be there for. So what the f- you know what's the point? They're, tr- they're still just trying to give the refs autonomy, aren't they? To justify the reason for them being on the pitch. That's it's the supposed to yeah. when VAR takes over, and you don't need it's a ref a, on the pitch. Yeah. Pete, it's supposed to take the subjectivity out of we, out of play. Where you it, never you know, can, bizarre. but you can't because clear and obvious is subjective. What's a clear and obvious yeah. error? So it's kind of it is kind of pointless. It's just an extra layer of pointlessness, isn't it? Yeah. But they, they just back the subjective view of the ref on the pitch. You know, it's not subjective to them. They're looking for a reason to back the ref. They're not yeah. looking for a reason to contradict them. So if there's the slightest contact, regardless if it's enough to bring him down, they deem it uh, that the ref has made the correct decision being on the pitch. So it, it's a bizarre rule. because I, I've yeah. had this conflict before. So in one instance, a foul can be a penalty and not a penalty at the same time. So if the ref didn't flag that Sterling incident and VAR reviewed it, they wouldn't it's have given not it. A penalty. It's not a penalty. Yeah. But the ref gives it, VAR don't overturn it. It's a penalty. 
In fairness, I, I have, there's one incident where we did see VAR used really, really well, and I think it's the Switzerland penalty against France where it's not given, and Pavard makes that crazy tackle. Um, do you remember? Pavard slides on the edge of the box to block across, and is it Sarovic maybe, or, or what do you call him? Subar, I think, checks. And he just literally sweeps his feet from yeah. beneath him. And the referee doesn't take, doesn't give it. And they go back and review it and then give the penalty. So I think that's where it works. Yeah. Um, but I think it doesn't work where a ref gives a wrong decision. I think it works where he misses things, but I don't think it works where he gives things incorrectly. That's what I've seen throughout this tournament. So, yeah, listen, it, it's never going to be perfect. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Referees are never going to be perfect. Um, and that is, we, we, it is an imperfect game. And I suppose that's probably why it is as exciting as it is. Yeah, and just quickly to give my two pence on it, like I know we don't want to turn it into a VAR chat, but like I've said in your, your podcast many times, Dave, and like you mentioned there about it being an imperfect game, that's what you like about it. That's, you know, the kind of thing that... You know, I always make the same point over and over again. I apologize if I sound like a broken record because I've probably said it on here, even though Northern Ireland games don't get refereed by VAR. But the idea of, um, you know, a goal going in, what you used to always do, it was a quick look at the linesman and then you went mental and you were able to really have a good let off. And like, you, you can go very deep into this and you can say like, you know, with all the crap you get during the week at your work or whatever you're doing, you're, you know, you're doing 40 hours, you sit down a Saturday or a Sunday to watch your football, to watch your team and that let off and that joy and, you know, just going mad and hugging your mates and this, that and the other is exactly what you're in it for. And I've always made this point. People always like rubbished it right from the start. And I was like, what I've started doing, like and literally any goal goes in is you're starting to worry or was there like a, did it hit somebody's hand up here? 20 seconds ago um and that's not even ones that are like tight in terms of offside what you do now is you you stand up and you're like right we'll, we'll just wait until we see the replay and you sort of get a half celebration here and a half celebration there and honestly i don't care if they get 100 percent of the decisions right that for me is the essence of football that for me is what you're it's what you're in it for it's the joy it gives you it's arguably you know without getting into this a lot of what makes football unique from other sports you know it's a low scoring game when you actually do get your goal, that's why it's so brilliant. It's like, you know, you can go and watch basketball where points are scored every 20 seconds. It's not the same. You don't celebrate them the same. Basketball is a good sport in its own right, but it's just not what football is for me. And, um, and you know, as you say, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it when they're given penalties, to be honest, because you don't celebrate a penalty with the same veracity as you do a goal. So if they could just stick to just giving penalties... Um, that would be fantastic. Or the only other way I could have it was if we literally got to a point in technology where it's it's the linesmen are robots and you can give an offside decision straight away. But do you ever get to that point? I mean, we're sitting right now and there's debate over whether the frame time in between the like some of the best cameras in the world is slow enough or quick enough um, to, to give offsides. So the idea we ever get to a point where robots can and decide it, I think, is a, a long, long way in the future. So, listen, it's not going anywhere. Um, this is the thing about it. They'll reform it, they'll reform it, they'll reform it. There's too much of a can of worms for them to stop it now. Um, there's not probably enough of a desire from it from maybe some of the newer generation. I say that as a 23-year-old, but everything seems to be a little bit Americanized these days and everything seems to be the, waiting for the buzz of the camera. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's all it's all done and... Uh, and, and, and made a big hoo-ha over it rather than just kind of the essence of going down, supporting your team and, 
and this and the other. But Ben, sorry, you wanted one last point in VAR. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, as you say, I don't want to keep talking about VAR, but I have one question for you. And it's, I despise VAR and I would take it out of the game no matter what. But would you, as football fans, whether it be you or all Liverpool fans or, or Northern Ireland, say that's what's your goal, would you rather have VAR in the game and take away that mistake, that Switzerland mistake or whatever, or would you rather live with it and not have to put up with VAR for the rest of your life? I genuinely rather not go to the World Cup and have football back to what it was, but I might same. be in the minority. No, I'm the same. Any other thoughts? What about, yourself? What about So I, long, think gold, I, think, <laughs> I think I think gold line technology fixed everything that I think needed fixed. Yeah, um, that's an instant decision. If it took ten seconds to give that decision, I would be completely against it. I think I think that's probably yeah that yeah you know I think there's been there's been too many messes made already, hasn't there? Um, and I, I, I I'm kind of worried that we will get to this stage where they're going to go to like commercial breaks between VAR decisions and stuff like that. And that's, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope. So yeah, I think just pull the rug. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. You're probably at a cross, crossroads now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So you pull it now or else you just persist. What about Ben's point on go to the world cup and stick with VAR or the alternative? Well, we're qualifying for the next world cup. So there's no <laughs> issue there. Is there? Beat, beat Switzerland. <laughs> That's if the World Cup was in Europe, I might have had a different answer. If the what? If the World Cup hadn't have been in Russia, I might have had a different answer. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's pretty fair. Um, yeah, and uh, on Pete's point, that's a good good way to plug this. We will have podcasts coming up for the Lithuania and Switzerland games in September. We might even have one coming up in the in the August at some point. We've had a bit of a chat about that. If we can make it work, I think. If we can maybe get people in person. I'd be more keen to do it, not necessarily um, one over Zoom, or we might just leave everything to the pre-Lithuania podcast, but we'll see on that one. Anyway, should we do our uh, should we do our teams of the tournament and then talk about the final? I think that's um, that's a nice thing to do. So let me um, get our teams of the tournament up. So it is there. Spoiler alert. There is going to be... Um, oh, my days. I'm so, so, so your dad when it comes to technology. And I finally worked it out. There we go. Okay. So everyone see that okay? All good. Right. Perfect. So teams of the tournament, there's actually only two players um, that we all agreed on. First one's Donnarumma and the second one is Raheem Sterling. Um, so let's go on to the fullbacks. Let's see. It is coming, I promise. There they go. So um, some of us have gone for... Um, a left back, a right back, basically, because Mela and Spinazzola have been probably the standout fullbacks of the tournament. I'm myself and uh, and Dave have, have actually played by the rules and picked an actual right back. Um, so Dave, yeah, I'll, I'll come be first. Kyle Walker, I think, is just um, he's just been very Kyle Walker. Nothing really gets past him. You don't really run past him. Um, he's a solid right back. He doesn't offer the biggest threat going forward, but ultimately, in this Gareth Southgate England side, he's probably the perfect right back for them. He's nearly like a sweeper, isn't he? Especially from defending counters against like set plays and stuff like that. He's absolutely superb. Going forward, yes, I agree. <laughs> One point during the Denmark game, he crossed the ball to Luke Shaw and Luke Shaw nearly crossed the ball back to him again. Yes. Um, 
So yeah, I think Walker's had a good tournament. I think right back was probably the most difficult position I had to pick. But again, I I know Ben has has history of just not playing by the rules and picking two of a variety of different <laughs> things. So I did try to go for a right back and a left back, but you know I think Spinazzola and Mela have probably been the best two full backs in the tournament. That's fair. Yeah, completely. Um, and Ben, um, you've you've Spinazzola in there. Um, I went for Spinazzola over, Spinazzola over Mela. Um, but yeah, listen, there's no doubt Mela was uh, one of the breakout players of the tournament. I think. Um, you know, I don't know if, if this is a thing just in international tournaments, but there always seems to be like far more wing backs than there are in club football. Like if you see a three five two in club football, you normally think that's that's a bit of a shock. We don't normally see that. Whereas in tournaments, there's six or seven teams who do it, and uh, and Denmark did it fairly well. Um, at times, I think they played back four at times, back three at others. But um, yeah, Mela definitely uh, announced himself to the world in this uh, in this tournament, didn't he? Yeah, no, he was he's been super. Um, but then, then I mean, I, I didn't know a whole lot about him, but I mean, Adla, Adla, I keep saying Atlanta, but Atlanta, who plays for, um, you know, I've, I've been progressing well in the Champions League for the last few years, so it doesn't surprise you too much. Um, I suppose on the on the on the playing the wing back in the three five two, it is a very European thing, and that so you're you're going to see more of it. Um, the other one that I had three left backs, and, and to be honest with you, I found it hard. You know, I'm so did Pete. Don't worry. Like, you're not, yeah, well, we, we did we didn't uh, didn't confer on it by the way, um, but um, I, f- I found it hard to leave Luke Joy too to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think he had a brilliant tournament, so yeah, I, I was almost going to give you eleven left backs. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't put anything past you here. Our centre halves, uh, people come to you first in these ones. So uh, me and you have both gone for uh, Stones and Bonucci. In fact, uh, myself, yourself, and Ben have all gone for Bonucci. With Dave gone with Collini, so there's uh, there's one. Italian centre half in there, um, but Stones, Stones, Bonucci, yeah, it, it's it's hard to argue with that. Really, we've both gone for the same the same back two. Um, Bonucci, for me, I mean, a lot of people I saw a lot of people saying that the first half of that Spain Italy game was um, was was a, was a tough watch, and maybe it would have been for me if I was watching the TV. But one of the things that I noticed was like just the joy in which Bonucci takes in defending. I mean, like just the the ease of that he was shepherding the ball out and his positional sense and the fact that he doesn't really break stride. And it's a weird one with him because didn't he get loaned out? Dave, you'll correct me on this one. Did he not get like loaned out to Juventus or DAC Milan or something at one point? He, he went to Milan and it, it just went horribly, horribly wrong for him. Um, and they were, they, they were bought by a Chinese um, like hedge fund thing. And it just, pardon the expression but it just all went a bit tits up and it just didn't work out and I just think for all parties involved everybody just thought it was best that they just he just was bought back by Juventus and everybody just forgot that it ever happened so that's what happened and I think everybody's a whole lot happier for it yeah um it's a bit like when Ian Rush went to again this is a bit your dad but a bit like when Ian Rush went to Juventus and everybody thought, well, that probably wasn't the best idea. Just go back. And he did, yeah. and it was all fine again. Yeah, fair. So, so yeah, Pete, Stones Bonucci. Um, Stones just been part of that, the, the heart of that England defence. It's done well, and, uh, you know, he's he's being protected, it's fair to say, by the fullback, especially by Walker playing on that side. But he, he's um, he's really had a good season and a bit, I guess, hasn't he? Yeah, he's... I was t- sort of toying up between him and Maguire. Maguire is probably being pretty impressive well I, at least I think he's been impressive in the games he's played he's scored he's carried the ball out well for the defence but normally the sort of 
association with Stones he's Stones he's got a mistake in him. And I I can't recall him making a single mistake this tournament. I know he's a protection. Hopefully he's saving it up for the final. <laughs> he might he might be. But so I did have noise. Stones there, but then I saw him miss hit the ball about three times yesterday and just thought, no, you're right, son. Up through it as ever. To be he was barely mentioned yesterday in the commentary. I, he's barely been mentioned the whole tournament in commentary. And, mm-hmm. You know, England must be doing something right if they're keeping however many clean sheets. Uh, so I thought he's the ever-present, so I just stuck him in. Yeah, completely fair, and I agree with you. Um, ben went for Kier and Dave for, for Danielson. Yeah, Dave, that's... Uh, I noticed you put him in your fantasy team. You've mentioned him a couple of times. Um, I guess it's the, the part of the Sweden hype that uh, made you stick a fiver on them, only for them to get knocked out by one of the worst teams in their knockout rounds. No, but, but he, that was, he, I think it was his horror uh, yellow, his horror red yeah, card. <laughs> you just want an excuse to talk about that, which I'll give you now. Well, it wasn't a red card, was it? Are we all in agreement that it wasn't a red card? No, I thought it definitely was. Oh, I'm shocked and appalled. Um, I didn't, Mollister. I didn't the, think it was a red. I, I, he, he kicks the ball and then your man puts his leg yeah, in the way. You of, can't, in this day and age, if you're that, you know, you just don't make the tackle if you're going to be that out of control. Like so, where he caught him, it could have been a leg break or, you know. I get what you're saying. I just think that um, I was trying to avoid just sticking in players that were in the semifinals because I think we all have a tendency to do that. And he's one centre half that I watched and just thought, you know what? I've never heard of him before. And he has been really, really solid. Heads everything, kicks everything, including opposition's players' shins, as we saw. So, you know, just really impressed me. Just no nonsense and... Um, yeah, just just one of those players. Do you know one of those random players that just stuck out in your in your head when you watched the performances? So I paid a bit of additional attention to Sweden, and, and he was one of the guys that that kind of shone, I think, in that side. So yeah, that's why he's there. Ben, you went for Simon Kier, who seems to have played at every international tournament since I've been alive. Um, but has had a has had a good season, still playing at quite a high level, always playing in the Champions League. Um, and Denmark's defense was solid, so. Um, Happy with that pick? Yeah, yeah, and I think um, I think part of part of that as well is you you know when you look at centre halves, you're looking for leadership, and you know he led Denmark throughout, including you know the Christian Eriksen incident. He really took control of that. I mean, I know that doesn't doesn't make him a good player or anything, but no, he's just been solid. Um, and hasn't made a real mistake that I've that I've noticed anyway. So yeah, um, I just kind of kind of similar similar because I I could have I was close to putting stones in there. But I like similar to Dave in terms of I didn't want to just piece out of Sammy. I didn't even want to pick everybody. It was just in the final. But yeah, so that's why I went there. Pretty fair. All right, let's move on to our three in midfield. So a bit of variation here. Um, so both Dave and Pete going for Verratti and Barella. Um, Pete, I'll come to you because I feel like we always go to Dave on Italy. Um, but I didn't actually uh, go for Verratti though, did I? Did you not? Give me a no. second. Did you change it or did you? I did. Sorry, yes, you went. You went for uh, Jorginho. Um, if you could have all sent me the teams a wee bit earlier, I could have actually not rushed the color coding. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, someone who's went for Verratti. Well, Pete, you went for Verratti and Barella, um, who you know are, are two midfielders who, 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 who have been fantastic right the way through the Italian midfield, right the way from the group stages has been excellent. Um, any comment on those two? I think they just they work well in the. Italian machine that keeps marching on to be honest the system that Italy play works and the midfield is 
paramount to their success. So that that's the only reason why I've gone for the two of them. And they, for me, have been the best two centre mids for Italy. Simple as, to be honest. <laughs> Almost more in-depth than that. They've been excellent. So, yeah, they've, they've got to be there. Yeah, completely fair. Sorry, Dave, you went for, I'm realising I, I did actually put it in, right? I got the colour codes wrong. You're green. Um, so you went for Forsberg, uh, Jorginho and Pedri. So, so Jorginho, interestingly, Ben um, and, uh, and and Pete have both gone for Barella and Verratti. But why has Jorginho stood out for you? Well, he's been the constant, hasn't he? He he really is. He's the guy that everything goes through and he's just really, really impressed me. Um, it's, it's passing so intelligent. Um he, I think he, I think he's massively underrated. Um, I don't think he's rated anywhere near highly enough by by Chelsea fans. Um, but he's the metronome in the middle of that the middle of that midfield three. And whether it was Locatelli, whether it was Barella, whether it's been Verratti, whether it's been Pacina who's come in, um, he's the guy that he's the guy that everything goes through. And for me, you know, I think it I think it doesn't work without him. So that's why that's why he's he's the centerpiece of that midfield three, my midfield three anyway. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm the only one there that hasn't gone for an Italian midfielder, which seems harsh. I just thought I think I think Shaka had a really good tournament, um, especially in those knockout games. He really was uh, he really pulling the strings. Dave's laughing at me, but I feel like if no, uh, he was close for me as well. Yeah. And then I remembered that he got himself suspended. Oh right, okay, did he? There, there you go. Um, I mean, you've Danielson in the team, so you just piped down there. Um, <laughs> um, no, he, 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 um, I feel like probably hasn't got the credit he deserves in this tournament because he's been fairly poor over the last few years for Arsenal. Um, you know, plenty of incidents there, including being made club captain. You know, he's he's just basically a player nobody really rates, but in that Swiss side. He he was a totally different player for, for Switzerland than he's been for yeah. Arsenal. Yeah, and, he, and actually, as, as, as Dave said about him getting suspended, I think if he wasn't suspended that Spain game, it could have been the difference to get them over the line. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and uh, who have I not come to? Ben, I haven't come to you in the midfield yet. So you, you've gone for, for Rice, me and Pete have gone for Phillips. Bit of West Ham bias in there, but the two of them have been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent, it's West Ham bias, but uh, you know, he hasn't he hasn't put a foot wrong. He hasn't hasn't done a lot. He's done the job. I think he's been asked for. He hasn't done a lot going forward. Phillips has done a wee bit more going forward, um, but um, you know, I think Rice has Rice has been solid. He's been exactly what 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 you see is what you get with him. Um, just just quickly on the, I put Barella in and Verratti. I was very close to putting Jorginho in as well. Um, I thought Jorginho was fantastic and was the ever present. I just I love Verratti like so he he just had to get in there for me. Um, but Jorginho definitely I noticed him more in this tournament than I ever have done in the Premier League for Chelsea so I think he's had a brilliant tournament as well yeah definitely and me and Dave have gone for Pedri just to complete the midfield who I think has has really had a breakout tournament he's going to win the Ballon d'Or that kid isn't he do you think oh mate he's going to be like the best midfielder for yeah in two years he's going to be the best midfielder in the world for 10 years Mm -hmm. I reckon yeah, uh, there, there was one point that just stuck out in my mind uh, during the Italy game where the referee kind of gets him his way and he just dodges him as if like he's an opposition player. It's just another Did you hear his past completion rate in that game? No. It was 100% for the was 90 it? minutes and then after the 120 minutes, it dropped to 98%. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that is crazy, and it's not even one of those. He's not even one of those players who like doesn't take risks as well. You know, he's not one of those kind of Jorginho type players who gets it, gives it. It's a metronome. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like it's it's. Uh, I think it was Steven Gerrard famously said, you know, I could go out and get 100 percent pass completion, or I could actually try and make something happen. 
Whereas I feel like that's not the case with Pedri. He's um, he's just a he's just, he's a, just a Barcelona player. Yeah, he's, he just looks like he looks an absolute phenomenon. Yeah, um, and he's been just one player that I've I've seen bits and pieces of him, but I just I was able to see proper ninety minutes of him and just wowed me every time I watched him play. Yeah. A few people were wondering why he was in ahead of uh, Thiago Alcantara, who also kind of looked good off the bench. But I mean, you know, you can't um, a bit like Sterling, the next man on the list. You can't, uh, you can't, um, you can't take anything away from the, the performances he's been given, even though it was maybe a bit of a controversial shout. We've all talked about Sterling, so let's move on to our uh, other players. So the strikers, um, two two players were picked along these lines. So myself and Dave, um, sorry, myself and Ben went for Patrick Schick. Uh, and Pete and uh, Pete and Dave went for Lukaku, and and, and Ben Schick was, is one of those players who I think I, I can't remember if I said this in Dave's podcast or this one, but he's um, I must always watch his good games because even at club level, um, he always really impresses me. He's that kind of just clean striking uh, forward who who gets himself in the right positions and and makes things happen. And you just tell by the way he strikes the ball that he's a good footballer. It came through in the first game, um, even before the halfway line goal everyone was talking about against Scotland he is, is a chance out of nothing where just kind of comes to him perfectly and he knows exactly what position to have his body in and uh, I mean he's a player who was bought for 40 million I think by Roma didn't really do the business and his career threatened to kind of go into the abyss but for me it's the that was the striker of the tournament yeah um, he's, he's a funny player because as you say his career was kind of touch and go he's moved here there and everywhere as you've been like say Roma um Leverkusen now, you know, he just doesn't seem to have settled anywhere. But like to me, he's just he's just a number nine. I you know I dream of having a, a, a West Ham for well, that's not much uh, much to say. But um, but he's just you know it's just bringing other people into play. He's, he's finishing his awareness now. He's just had a brilliant tournament. He's looked great. Yep, absolutely. Um, and Pete, uh, Pete first, and then Dave. You guys gone for your other two is Lukaku and Chiesa. So Chiesa is a bit of a controversial shout, I guess. He's only played, he's only started the two games, Pete. Albeit I do have Jeremy Doku on my side, which we'll come on to talk about. But um, but Lukaku is uh, as well. I mean, yeah, after the season he's had, it certainly wasn't uh, it wasn't down to him that uh, that Belgium didn't qualify for the next round. And in fact, he looked like the only player that was potentially at any chance of breaking down that Italy defense. He had a good tournament. Yeah, he's been impressive throughout, uh, particularly against Denmark when they came back from one goal down. He he did what Lukaku does. Uh, he seems to have improved since going to Italy. Actually, his first touch has got better. That used to be his downfall. He had a bit of a, a woeful first touch. But, yeah, just an absolute menace for defences. And how many goals did he get? Four? He got four. He didn't get didn't quite draw level with Ronaldo. But, you know, I thought he was very impressive. And if I thought at times Belgium were quite pessimistic in their approach. Um, I thought if they'd been more attacking, he may have got a few more chances and probably would have put them away. But yeah, goes without saying, he's one of the best strikers in the world. That's why he's in. Yeah. Um, Dave, your wee mate, Chubby Cheeks Chiesa, down there on the left hand side. Um, he's come off the bench. Just that one of the things you just notice in the warm up, I think I messaged you at the time, but just as I said, which check just this, this um, cleanness with which he strikes the ball. His goal against um, who was it? Did he score against Belgium? Or have I dreamt that? Uh, no, he comes scored off against Austria. Scored against Austria, yes, and he scores the other night. And they're both they're both just the the as I say the cleanliness of the strike. He has one against Wales, who's really unlucky with that that comes off the defender's ass at the back post. It's really uh, it's really fluky that that stayed out as well. But yeah, he's come on, and uh, you know Berardi has 
I mean, there's been a, a bit of controversy, I feel like, because people have watched the Champions League and saw his performance against uh, Porto, Chiesa, that is. Maybe don't watch as much as Sassuolo, but Berardi has outperformed him this season. He's, he's scored double the amount of goals. He he kind of plays, and Berardi's more right-hand side, whereas Chiesa's more on the left-hand side, as far as I've seen anyway. Um, but I think there's no doubt about it that Chiesa is that bit of extra quality. He's really grown into the tournament, I think. I think what's impressed me about him is he's worked his way into that side through performance and performance alone. Um, and I don't think there's there's any doubt that he starts the final if he's fit. Uh, I, I think he's absolutely phenomenal. And he's a big game player. He will score big goals in big games, in big moments. He just seems to have that, not quite, uh, that, that kind of blend between arrogance and don't really ca- doesn't really care, you know? So the pressure just doesn't get to him. And we saw it, you know, he, he, he picks up the ball there. Um, the, well, first of all, the goal against Austria is absolutely amazing. He controls the ball with his face for a yeah. start. Um, and then it's big that, enough surface area. Yeah, that's true. And then the bird can't best touch and then the left foot finish. And then, you know, the goal against the goal against um, Spain the other night. It's just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Um, uh, and there's a, shortly after that, where he slips Berardi and I think it goes past about four players and there's this lovely left foot left foot pass that should Berardi should probably score which would have got me my bet up because I had him first goal in 2-0 to Italy which mm. I was furious with Berardi about so that's another reason why he shouldn't start the final so yeah I just think he's grown into the tournament I think you know if, if he goes into the final and scores two goals he could he could likely win player of the tournament yeah yeah, there's there's definitely not it's all recency bias. Yeah, there, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's all it's uh, it's all about like what you do in the later tournaments for these uh, for these votes. It's clearly what the players and the the people picking it what they what they put the most weight on. But uh, yeah, I'll just uh, quick to finish off. I've gone for Doku in the left. Um, I know he only plays the two games, but I sort of earmarked him last season when he was playing for Ren as as one of these players who is about to burst and is about to explode. And I remember watching the game specifically. Um, where he plays against Paris Saint-Germain and he makes a wee boy out of Kempembe that, that whole game. It's He's basically, he's Adama Traore, San Maximan, but with end product and honest to God, like the way that league is at the minute with the TV deal collapsing with, I think it's 19 of the 20 French clubs up for sale. Um, you know, they're, they were, where they're at with the COVID pandemic, the fact that none of those teams, especially up in the North are filling stadiums. Somebody's going to get him for 40 million and it's going to be bargain of the century. He is that good. He's 19 years old and, uh, you know, he is, he's showing already um, just what he can do. So he's in there for me, probably not. Um, you know, if I, if I sat down and analyzed it and thought about who was the best player over the course of a tournament, I wouldn't go for him. But yeah, he, he goes in the left for me because there haven't actually been that many brilliant wingers in this tournament, to be honest. I mean, Ben, you've shown, you shoehorned Ronaldo into the wing there, um, who is obviously top scorer, scores a few penalties. Um, ben loves a nice shoehorn, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. <laughs> so, yeah, so Ben, um, Ronaldo just, yeah, he's he stepped up in the big moments and uh, that's what he's kind of always done for his country and that's maybe, for some people, what gives him the edge over Messi. We'll not get ourselves into that debate, but uh, there's no mm. doubt about it. That man's a big game player, probably the biggest game player of all time, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I I've gone for a bit more of a fluid sort of, so so we play through the middle a wee bit. I did on. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, a tactical genius, me. Um, but anyway, no, I mean, at the end of the day, when I think of a forward, I think of goals, and I think is Ronaldo still top scorer in the thing? Yeah, him and Shaker on five. Plus, I've twenty quid on him to be top scorer, so uh, you know, I'm hoping nobody else scores. 
Um, but yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, he's judged among goals and he's, he's scored goals for a team that struggled. Yeah. Yep, all completely fair. So that is our team of the tournament. A lot of variation in there and some good debates on the positions as well. So let me do the fantasy football dead quick. So here is the league. Um, so Luke Chambers, uh, six points ahead of me there. So I'm not going to reveal my team. Look, if you're watching, um, you're going to have to make your own decisions. I'm going to have to go for a wee differential there to catch you. Um, but it does look like Luke Chambers is going to win the league and win the prize uh, of an item of your choice from the 90s Inspired website. So when that inevitably does happen, look, and I mean, even if I win it, I can't really take a prize for myself. So um, second place, unless uh, unless Thomas Campbell down there in third is going um, to claw back, what's that, 22 points on you? I think you've got that one in the bag. So yeah, wait to the final, but do get in contact with me if you're listening and we'll arrange that prize for you. Just uh, quick, the Spur of 2016 League. Um, myself there in second, as I've said already. Pete, just outside the top ten, late push for the top ten. Any, uh, any, any tips for us? Don't pick Yilmaz. Don't pick Yilmaz. <laughs> <laughs> Completely fair. Um, Lauren, forty fifth, two hundred eighty nine points. Ben, two hundred fifty points, hundred third. You want to make double figures by the end of this? No comment. <laughs> And that's poor. I, I forgot to change my team for the semi-finals, and you're not that far ahead of me. Can we, can we move on to the predictions? To our, our predictions, like I don't know, no. <laughs> well, plenty of time for that, Dave. 138th you've packed in, haven't you? Well, I for, I forgot. It was all well and good when you had to change your team every you day. You started then, so well. I know that's it. When you change your team every day, it was fine. And then I just forgot and I was like, oh. And then I actually thought I'd Captain Geisha, but then I realized that, that was the time before I remember to change my team. So I hadn't. So I'm just, yeah. I think I've deleted the app and everything. <laughs> <laughs> just taking up space on my phone. <laughs> well, that is the uh that is the fantasy football. So all that remains is for us to do a quick chat on uh, on England versus Italy and give our predictions. So yes, Ben, as you say, I haven't got a, a graphic for this, but you are out in front on the prediction league. You've 60 points, and I think Lauren is the only one who can catch you on 55. So uh, so you're going to give your prediction, and then I assume Lauren's going to go for a different winner to, uh, to, to, to try and pull back that differential. Not that there's anything at stake, really. Um, but yeah, you, you maybe should have put a few more bets in this tournament. But listen, uh, England, Italy... Um, We've kind of covered the specifics of it, haven't we, with the players and, and this, that, and the other. I'm going to kind of talk about the Dave. Well, in fact, I'll go round the uh, I'll go round the panel on the idea of Immobile versus uh, Immobile versus Bellotti, because I think this is an interesting one. And Dave said to me before the game on on Tuesday night, he wondered if this was the game for Bellotti. I can't see him doing it this late in the tournament, but no, I, I don't know what you think, Ben. What do you reckon? Um, I mean, Bobby's impressed me uh, probably more than, in, in the flashes. I've seen him more than, than a Mobile. Um, but he, there's no way he's changing it now. Like, you know, you don't get to the final and then suddenly change it, do you? No, no, that's completely fair. Dave, any any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I have been no. particularly impressed with Bellotti. Um, I think, is it him that finishes that one in extra time? It's just offside or is that Berardi, maybe? It's Berardi. It's Berardi. Um, anyway, yeah. Bellotti comes on and I think he offers more. Chiro Mibley will come on to talk about it. It's actually been my disappointment of the tournament. Um, I think he's been, I don't know how often he scores that's that the type of goal from Lazio where it's just kind of, kind of chipped over the top to him, but he doesn't seem to have that electric pace that gets him in behind these tight lines and these well-organized defenses. And I don't know, he's just he's he's been there and he's done okay, and you can see he's got quality, but he's he's just uh 
I don't know. The Italian fans seem to love him. He's he's one of the only players that has his own chant, is what I what I picked up from from Tuesday. But um, I don't know. What have you What have you made of Chiro? I think I thought that he might have went for Bellotti against Spain because I think we all saw how susceptible Spain were in the air in the penalty area. So I just thought maybe Mancini will just stick Bellotti up there and think let's let's throw a few high crosses into the box and see if we can get some joy. And he's but he he before the tournament, he's actually he's favoured Bellotti probably. It, it's been fairly 50-50 in terms of who's played in qualifiers. It has been thing, but... it has been fairly 50-50. I think the the re- the reason the reason they like him is well, A, because he scores a lot of goals and he scores a lot of goals in Italy, but let's not forget that Syria has been like the top goal scoring of most goals in the top five leagues for the last two or three years. So you're going to score goals in Italy if you're a centre forward. Um, but he's a bit Murata. He, he always makes the runs. He'll always stretch defenders. He'll always drag players out of position. And, you know, yeah, maybe he could finish a little bit better and maybe he could be a little bit more clinical, but what he does definitely do is create space for, you know, Insigne, Chiesa, Berardi. He forces a goal, doesn't he, on Tuesday with a run? Absolutely, you know, but that's it. And that's him constantly trying to get in behind. And it's a great tackle, you know, but again, the space is created there. There ha- The space is created. Chiesa picks a ball up, bang, there you go. And I think a lot of his work goes unseen. Um and like I say, it is a little bit Murata where his movement's really, really good. And he'll make that run again like Lukaku 10, 12 times without getting the ball. Whereas Bellotti's a bit more of a batter and ram sort of a player. So we'll see. Look, he'll go, he'll go immobile. He might only get 60, 70 minutes like he has done. But um, and I think actually doesn't he change? He doesn't even bring Bellotti on for a mobile against Spain. It's Berardi comes on and he mm-hmm. goes without actually an out and out. It's a mad front three for a while. Yeah, yeah it's it's not even an out and out number nine he plays with. So you just don't know. But I, I can't see him doing much. I can't see him doing much different. I think for all of our talk about how Mancini um, doesn't really have a kneel down, kneel down eleven, he's probably certainly got a kneel down nine for this final. And there's maybe one or two positions up for grabs. Certainly one in the midfield, but I think Immobile certainly certainly going to start that match yeah pete without giving your score prediction um we always talk uh especially in these preview pods especially as the tournament's gone on into the knockout stages about how games aren't necessarily won by the better team it's one on an accidental it's one on one player taking his chance and another player and you know, that can be the difference in a, the, the breadth of a hair at times um so like how do you see this final like in terms of 50 50 being completely even like you could say, I don't know, give me an answer like 55, 45 to Italy, 60, 40 to England. How do you, in your mind, what's the most likely outcome and how likely is it you in that using that completely pointless metric? Can you repeat that? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, we do. Do you want me to get an equation for this? Or? <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind, being, you're joking? the doctor of the podcast. So. <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, you need to write an algorithm and then get uh, back to it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think Italy are probably the better side on paper in the way they've performed. Um, but then it's all Wembley. How much? How much does that have in the? How much? Oh, how much weight does that carry in the equation? Well, I mean, it's, it's a beauty add a multiplier myth. Yeah, I'd I'd say uh, sixty forty Italy. 
okay that's interesting um it, yeah. Wembley was Wembley was more or less as I've said the people it was like Rome um on on GCN and obviously England are going to have the a lot of support but the, the Italians can fairly get behind their their team as well um so yeah I mean Dave same question do you how do you kind of how do you how do you kind of assess the probability of it that's a really hard question um I think there's a couple of key battles in that. I think the midfield battle will be interesting. You've got you've got Rice and Phillips doing two men doing one job there, um, but they don't really play with the number ten. So you know, I don't I don't know how they could they the could play become... doesn't really drop back either. He's always and kind of exactly behind, he, he doesn't drop in the link the play like that. So they can literally become completely ineffectual yeah. in that area of the pitch. So I think. <laughs> Does he play Emerson against Sterling? This is Does he this is what this is what I was actually going to come on to talk about because that is somewhere where the accidental could be, where the hair's breadth could be. You know, I think he well he takes off Palmieri around the arm mark and he puts De Lorenzo to the left back, doesn't he? And he brings on that Toloi fella. Why do you not bring on Florenzi? He's on the bench. Is that just a fitness thing? It might just be a fitness thing. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You know, if Florenzi's fit. There's a chance that he could just do De Lorenzo and Florenzi as the two yeah. fullbacks. I think that, that's for, probably to right. me that to me that would make sense. Um, I think maybe a tandem pragmatism will take over, and he'll just think this Emerson's my guy who is actually left footed and will actually maybe get forward the way Spinazzola did. How much of that is how much of that is in the way that they play, and how much of that Emerson can actually replicate from Spinazzola? I don't know. On what Tuesday's evidence not a great deal and I do feel for the lad because I think it was the first game he'd started in 18 months so yeah that, I think those full back positions are going to be interesting and that might you know that decision that Manchester makes might actually just decide the whole outcome yeah definitely Ben from from more England point of view um, do you agree what Dave's saying about maybe Rice and Phillips not being quite as as effective in this game and then if so what do you kind of do Um to carry the threat, do you go for Mount and then Asaka, or, or what, what would you do if you were Southgate? I think there's there's probably nine players nailed down, unless he does a bit of a diddle with the fullbacks, which I don't think he'd do at this point. So you've got your back five, Rice and Phillips, Kane and Sterling, and who would your other two players be? Do you think he well, goes a back three? You two? No, oh, no, I think no, this I, is the inter- I think this is the interesting question from England's perspective. I mean, do you think five, he goes back four? I think he goes, I'm at five, including Pickford. Okay. Yeah. I think he goes four. What do you reckon, Ben? I think he'd go four as well. Um, although he went three against Germany, which would make you think maybe maybe he will. But no, I, I think he'll stick to the four. The one the one thing that I was going to say, and I was going to say it even before Dave was talking about, you know, Reichenfels being less effective. One thing I, I thought yesterday, um, I thought that Henderson made a massive difference when he came up. And I would keep Rice in there because, one, I'm a West Ham fan, but two, I think he gives you that defense of protection and I, I I bring Henderson in for Phillips uh, I think Phillips has had a very good tournament and I don't think this will happen but I, I just thought Henderson really one one he looked real fresh when he came on as well especially considering you know, he's been injured towards the end of the season so he hasn't played a lot of football so you know he, ha- he has more in his legs um, so yes I, w- I would do that because I just feel he also has that you know big game Champions League experience with Liverpool he's won the league you know it's harsh it's very, very harsh on Phillips um, 
and probably 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 it's more likely that he would drop rice than he would Phillips at this minute in time because I feel like he's probably probably just ahead of him, especially you know with subwise he didn't he didn't bring him off. Um, but that's what I would do. Um, I still still would like to see Foden in there, um, but I don't think he will. Saka Saka's done well. He's done better than I expected him to do. So I don't think I think he I don't think he changes much from the team really than than played yesterday. Yeah, interesting one, Pete. Any advances on, on what the guys have said about the the two lineups there? Um, you can kind of talk about if if you want the Italian fullbacks, what do you think he'll do there, and and the, the kind of the two England players that are in or two or more, if you if you think that, and finish off by giving me a score prediction. We'll, we'll do those now. I mean, the the only thing I'd have to say in the formation is what what did Austria play against Italy? Uh, I think I think it was a four. Was it? Yeah, because that was the first real example of a team actually getting stuck into them. And actually, they played a flat back eleven, didn't they? (laughs) (laughs) But when they had, you know, they attacked a bit and actually showed that Italy had some vulnerabilities, and in a way that England could replicate, as opposed to the Spanish way, which no one can. So, I think they'll probably have a look at the Austria game and see what weaknesses they can find from that Uh, prediction. I'm going to say 1 0 Italy. Chiesa is the match winner. Okay. Dave, prediction on scorers? Because I like I like the, the fact that Pete's given me a winner as well. I'm going I'm going to do my same path that I did from the other night. Chiesa first goal, 2 0. Okay. How, how do you think it's going to go? Is it going to be an early goal, then period of pressure, or do you see it too late goals? Oh, it's funny. I think the one thing I've noticed from England is they seem to start games really brightly and try and get an early goal. And when they don't, kind of retreat into themselves a little bit and revert to that you know flat back kind of seven with the or well six seven whatever it is with the back four and the two number sixes so yeah I don't know I think listen I think first goal wins it okay yep fair enough I'm gonna go uh, I'm going to go one all, go to extra time, um, and whether it's an extra time or penalties, I can see, um, I can see Italy maybe win it two one. I can actually maybe even see Italy just necking it before uh, full time, but I can't see ultimately the the quality talent. Ben, what do you reckon score prediction? And then we'll do our player of the tournament and uh, disappointment of the tournament dead quick. Three uh, one, Italy. Um, I can't see, I can't see England not scoring at all. Um, but but I just just think that they'll have too much for them, and uh, part mostly has to hope. But yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. Ideally, what I would like is if anybody wants to go back and watch England or sorry, Italy Germany in the two thousand and six World Cup semi final. Yeah, where it's nil nil until the one hundred and nineteenth minute, and Italy score two goals. That would be great. Oh. so I'm all I'm all eggs in that basket. That would be a dream scenario. It really would. Um, okay, Pete. Um, well, I'll, I'll I'll do mine dead quick, then I'll come to you, Pete. My as I said already, play disappointed in the turn has been a mobile. Eh? Um, quite brave, I think, of myself if I if I say so myself to pick a player who's uh, who's still to play and could potentially win it for them. But yeah, I've already articulated that. My player of the tournament was Raheem Sterling, as I was saying earlier. Um, just is 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 nice and is is marrying the speed with the intelligent runs, and I think he could potentially. You know, if England are to do something in the final, he could be that man that makes a difference for them. And you know, fair play to him. Um, as Dave mentioned earlier, he's been he's been absolutely hammered by the media across the years. Nobody really thought he should have been in the in the starting lineup, and uh, and he's he's proven he's proven Southgate right, and he's proven himself right. And uh, yeah, he could be one of those players. Every player kind of has a dip in form 
every top player. Kane had a dip in form and then obviously had that incredible season last year. I think Sterling's been through his dip in form now and is, is, is maybe ready to kick on and potentially even just be the best player in the Premier League. And I say that as a very bitter, bitter Liverpool supporter. But uh, give me your player of the tournament and... Um, and you're disappointed with the tournament. And this is the last time I'm going to come to you. So any other thoughts on England that they throw them out there now? Yeah. Well, disappointment. Yilmaz aside, uh, probably Mbappe. <laughs> yeah. Considering oh, yeah, the World Cup right. hard, it was just a disappointment. I think he epitomised uh, the disappointment around France. Uh, and player of, the, player of the tournament, similar to yourself, Sterling. I think if England are going to do anything in the final, it'll come from him. If you look back at the tournament, goal against Czechs, Croatia, Germany, Ukraine gets an assist, heavily involved in the two goals the other night. If England win the tournament and people are looking back in 20, 30 years' time, it will be they will remember Raheem Sterling. Yeah, he'll be the Jeffers. He, they? they will remember the, miss, the scuffs, the mishits, uh, not giving passes. It's his tournament. What I would say about Sterling is if he learned how to strike a ball properly, he, he'd be excellent. Because he might if you marry Chiesa striking the ball with the rest of Sterling, he'd have the best player ever. The fact he was over the free kick, I, I lost my mind. Why? Why? He has never hit a ball well in his life. You know, the two incidents in the half, he tops the shot and then skies one. Why is he on a free kick? Anyway, that's anyway. I think that shows the I think that shows the seniority in the squad, though, doesn't it? Probably, but there's no way he should be on a free. Similarly to Lukaku, <laughs> why? But anyway, yeah, interestingly, I think, anyway. I think Damsgaard was the, the. I think that was first free kick directly scored in the tournament, wasn't it? So, uh, so yes. So Ben, um, I'll come to you, and I'll come to Dave last. Who's your player of the tournament and disappointment of the tournament? A player of the tournament. I mean, it would be remiss of me not to have a left back since I've got 12 of them at the end of the thing. So Spinozola, Spinozola is mine. I know he won't play any further part and he's injured. Uh, but he, he's a player. That's, that's a hedge as well, balls. isn't it? I've gone balls out with a mobile and you're, you're <laughs> picking some laddies out for six months. All right, I'll go for Michael Muldubbern then. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he, he player I didn't know a whole lot about. Um, so yeah, he, he's my player of the tournament. Um, and I think he's got a big future if he comes back from injury. Um, and my disappointment is the same as Pete's. Uh, expected big things of Mbappe, and he just didn't deliver. Yep, fair, Dave. I know you've uh, skinned the Mbappe game, including fantasy football and betting. So, is that your disappointment? Or are you going someone? <laughs> oh, Mbappe! What a what a waste of talent, eh? <laughs> what a waste of talent. Useless. Absolutely useless. Can't score from twelve yards. Can't stay on side. You know, can't score any goals at all. Supposed Ballon d'Or winner. He's the heir to Messi's crown. Sorry, no, Wick. So he, it's really hard to look past a more disappointing tournament. He was supposed to be the guy to light this tournament up. And he just doesn't. Probably more on Deschamps than him, to be fair. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sure he's not, I'm sure he's sitting at home not particularly happy with himself. Um, and yeah, begrudgingly, player of the tournament is Raheem Sterling for me. Um, ben, did you only have one? <laughs> oh, you want no. the other can, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's Sterling. And I think the only thing you need to do is look at where would England be without him? There'd be absolutely nowhere without him. Um, they probably wouldn't have got through the group without him. So, yeah, 
Um, he's, I think he's absolutely phenomenal. He's, he's still, he's carrying the ball 50 yards in the 118th minute the other night. Um, and Pete's absolutely right. If he could strike a ball the way the absolute elite players do strike a ball, he, he would be in that bracket of, of the, of the Messi's and the Ronaldo's, but he can't. So he's not, but he's still world-class and he's still amazing. And he's had a brilliant tournament and fair play to him. All the best to you, lad. Fantastic stuff. All right, we'll wrap it up there. That will be the last year's podcast. We're not going to do one after the final. Actually, we might if Italy win it. Uh, who knows? Um, but we'll... Yeah. No, I'm only messing. This will be the last one. This may well be the last one until September. Obviously, the Lithuania and Switzerland games coming up. So please do join us. Follow us on the Twitter, at Spirit of 2016 Pod. Um, all the coverage kind of leading up to that one. Uh, like us on all the things, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a review, subscribing YouTube. There's a million different things I have to say um, and uh, and do that. And and uh, yeah, follow us on the Northern Ireland's journey to not Qatar 2022 as we inevitably get ourselves really hyped up and get our calculators out and do loads of mad permutations. Uh, as to how we're going to finish above the team that's just got to the quarterfinals of the European Championships. So yeah, that'll be an interesting one, no doubt. But uh, thank you very much to Peter Baker, to David Dunning, and to Ben Harshaw for their efforts, as well as Lauren McCann uh, over these European Championships. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've certainly enjoyed doing it. Um, And as I say, we'll be back potentially in August for a podcast, but maybe just in September before that Lithuania game. So take it easy. Enjoy the final on Sunday, whoever you're supporting, but definitely more so if you're not supporting England. And we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.